So this is uh, Friday of the second week of our July CSA retreat online. And uh, we've been uh, studying and talking about the Bhagavad Gita for this last two weeks. And today we will uh, continue and conclude chapter four. So this will be uh, a good place for us to break in this retreat session. Going back to review just a little bit, in the past, uh, in the beginning of this chapter, Krishna began by explaining to Arjuna, again, Krishna is the higher consciousness, is our enlightened consciousness. Arjuna re represents the seeking soul, the third chakra. This is uh, aspiration to do well and, you know, self-intentionality, um, but still not, still not spiritually awake. And so this aspiration to be awake and focused, uh, focused intentional action, this Arjuna aspect of ourself, is communicating with our higher self. And so, so we begin by discussing action. So he talks quite a bit about um, the yoga of action and the fact that the bottom line is that we should be not attached to the results of our actions, to act because we have to act. If we're alive on the planet, action is required and action is not limited to just the physical things that we do the physical ways that we engage and what we do out externally but action includes our thoughts so we are thinking this is there's an this is an action that we're taking our emotions matter of fact the word emotion is to put us into motion this is, this is these are the you know the the processes that the mind brain puts together to get us to move in one direction or another emotions put us into motion this is action so we are acting mentally we are actually acting emotionally we are acting physically and we're acting spiritually and without these there is no life so we have to act but krishna higher consciousness is saying that we shouldn't be attached to the results of our action that we should act to act. We should live to live. We should be to be. This is, this is how we're designed. And if we're acting for some purpose, for some result, for some, with some expectation, then our expectations can be, you know, not met. We can be frustrated. And frustration leads to upset and anger. And upset and anger leads to confusion, and confusion leads us to be wandering around in the dark, wandering around in delusion. So, and if our if our actions, if we you know if what we aspire to, if they're successful, wildly successful, and we accomplish our purposes, then we can get hooked into the attachment to what we're doing, and this can be a compulsion. This can be controlling us. So if we let go of the expectations and we, you know, if it works great, if it doesn't work great, we just continue to do what we do. We act to act, we live to live and allow everything else to just take care of itself. We do, do this mindfully, cheerfully, the best we possibly can from where we are in the moment. And, and there is, you know, there is a, a temptation in some of the teaching. There's a temptation to say, well, you know, what if I can't be optimistic all the time? You know, what if I'm not always, you know, forward thinking? What if I have some, you know, 
emotions and experiences that are not in harmony with what, what I can imagine to be, but these are very real. These are happening. And so, of course, the teaching is we just have to go start where we are. We have to be gentle with ourselves. We have to make the progress as long as we are intentional and as long as we are moving in the right direction, little by little, transformation will happen. There is no action that's wasted, especially if it's in the movement of uh, awakening direction. So, so this can be useful. And then, uh, and then the next part, Krishna talked, and this we went into this quite a bit yesterday. He talked about worship, and explained that that what we do, if we actually are, are mindful, that what we're doing is worship, that every action we take is a contribution to life, whether it's a contribution to our own personal life, you know, to self-care, to nurturing, to making sure we get enough rest and have right nutrition, um, you know, all these things that are taking care of ourselves are really worship. We are honoring the fact that we are alive. We have this life we have this vehicle to operate through. We have the circumstances and events that we find ourselves in. All of this is a great blessing. And so by being uh, intentional and mindful about how we act and what we do and how we think, this is a way of worshiping. This is a way of honoring life, honoring higher consciousness expressing as ourself. And if we're not taking care of ourselves, you see, this is a, this, you know, this is based in a delusion. And that is the delusion that we are somehow separate, that we are not part of life, that we are not part of this grand adventure, but rather we're, you know, victims, that we are um, limited in some way, that we are outside. And so this delusion allows us to feel lethargic, to allow tamas guna to have its way and to keep us heavy and inertia and, and, and ignorant, you see. So if we're, if we're at least a little bit mindful and if we understand that everything we do is spiritual, can be. Everything we do can be worship. And we can worship in little ways by just paying attention, you know, from time to time. We can engage in our worship and active in a more intense and intentional way. And this can be, you know, simply in the beginning, just simply show up for your meditation every morning, you know, take, uh, take 20 minutes or a half an hour or an hour, whatever is your allotted time and sit and sit with yourself. That's the capital S self. Sit with yourself, allow yourself to, to be revealed, allow yourself to experience yourself, to realize, even if it's only in small little increments, to begin to get some insight about what am I and what's going on around here? How does all this work? To just ask these questions and then be open, listen, allow intuition, inner knowledge to come up and to begin to, to direct us and to, and to answer the questions for us. This is worship. And we can be more intentional uh, about this. Mr. Davis used to, used to comment on uh, the wonderful practice of Islam where they would met, face Mecca and you know, five times a day and pray. So even if it's only for a few minutes, you know, the Imam would call out from the tower, it's time. Everybody stops what they're doing everywhere. 
and takes a moment, gets down on the mat, does a few prostrations, and honors Allah. See, so, and this is wonderful because it reminds us, reminds us of what's real, our relationship with this higher reality, and keeps us kind of focused as we go through the day. So, uh, if you have an app on your phone or a smartwatch of some kind, you can set an alarm. And every 90 minutes or every two hours or something, have your little alarm go off. And this can be your call to prayer. And it just takes a, it just takes a moment. It just takes 30 seconds, a minute, to just stop what you're doing and acknowledge ultimate reality. Maybe close your eyes. Maybe say a little mantra or a prayer. Something to bring yourself back into center, to tune yourself. This is worship. This is worship. And, and none of these things are difficult. They just require that we have the intention to be participating and that we, that we discipline ourselves. that is to start following through. And, you know, if we say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to at least three times a day, I'm going to meditate first thing in the morning. Before I have lunch, I'm going to stop for a moment and honor God and honor the, the supportive universe that's made this food available and, and, con and, and conceive of, think of myself in relation to this larger reality. And the same thing when I have dinner and maybe when I go to bed. So I have at least four times a day that I've made this commitment to remember God, to remember my higher self, to remember ultimate reality. This is worship. And if we, you know, if we remember twice during the day, then we go, okay, well, I made some progress. Tomorrow I'll do better, you know, until we're finally established in our four-time-a-day routine or whatever works for us. You know, these are, these are all options. Or we can take time to, uh, you know, to a little mantra or a prayer. We can just chant a prayer. Uh, it's wonderful. It can be useful to have some, prayer beads and uh, when I grew up as a child I was uh, grew up in the Catholic Church and I think I, I uh, spoke the other day that I actually was an altar boy in the Catholic Church for some years and, uh, and in the Catholic Church we had rosary beads so so my beads you know my prayer beads go back to the earliest time I can remember on the planet and the rosary beads was the, the Hail Mary and the Our Father. And we would, you know, do so many Hail Marys and count them on the beads. And this goes back to this ancient, ancient tradition from even from ancient India, where one would have a mantra, a repetitions prayer of some kind. And, and what happens is, you know, very quickly, I remember the Hail Mary full of grace, the Lord is with thee. You know, this is hardwired into the DNA after thousands of repetitions. And as we're repeating this, the, the, the meanings of the words, this kind of blends and it goes away. But the fact that this has been repeated by millions of people for thousands of years in one form or another has this mantric power, has this spiritual juice to it. And so by just sitting down and and chanting our prayer, whatever that happens to be, um, we can attune ourselves and feel this empowerment, feel this connection. And if we choose a, a mantra or a chant that's that has, you know, that's that's an ancient, it goes back for thousands of years, 
there's actually some extra juice in that. So, so this can be useful, you know, can be, can, and it can be fun if, if we like that. So it's not for everybody, but if it's something that sort of resonates with us or something to experiment with, try doing this. Say, okay, for the next month, uh, before my morning meditation, I'm going to get my, uh, my uh, rosary beads out or my, my uh, Ridraksha beads. Uh, and do 108 repetitions of some mantra, something, you know. Um, uh, Sanskrit mantra that can be can be useful is uh, Om Gam Guruve Namaha. So this is honoring the guru. This is basically a way of acknowledging honoring our guru. So so Om um, Guruve Namaha. So this is, you know, this can be something to experiment. Or you can, you can make your own mantra of anything. My nature is pure consciousness. Do that 108 times. You see? And if you can't do it 108 times, do it nine times. But do it every day. The point is to be regular. See, the point is, if we're going to worship we're going to create these little rituals for ourselves to be regular is the most important thing. So whatever we decide to do, just do it. This is worship and this creates a connection, spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical connection with higher reality. And, and, and you don't have to believe any of this. All you have to do is just try it. Just do an experiment. Say, okay, one month, one month I'm going to, do this practice and see what happens. See how, see if there's a change, see what evolves from this. So, um, so yesterday we talked about worship and, um, and the, sort of at the end of the conversation, uh, Krishna said, and he, he was kind of building up, this is better than this is better, this is more intense, this is more. And, and toward the conclusion, uh, he said that, um, that the wise yogi offers the in-breath to the out-breath and the out-breath to the in-breath. And of course, this is the, this is the, uh, the symbol, symbology that stands for our Kriya Yoga practice. So for all those who are practicing Kriya Yoga or have been initiated, you know that as we breathe in, as we inhale, we bring the energy the, the, the subtle energy up through the chakras, up the spine. So normally when we're breathing, prana, energy, life force, enters at the medulla. As we breathe in, it goes down through the system, hits the chakras, and each chakra is a distribution center. Distribution center. And so each center, each chakra is responsible for different functions in the body. And so as we breathe in, the prana goes down and does its work to keep us moving. And then as we breathe out, the prana comes back up. So there's this circulation of subtle energy in the, in the system. And it goes in harmony with the nervous system. These are all, there are all correlates of the subtle, um, uh, the subtle anatomy along with the physiological anatomy. So when we do Kriya, we are we are offering the in-breath, we're breathing in to the out-breath, which is the prana coming up. So there is this neutralizing process. And as we exhale, the prana goes back down. So we're offering the in-breath to the out-breath and the out-breath to the in-breath. 
And in the process, there is this, because we're reversing the flow, there is this kind of um, harmonizing, cleansing, purifying action on the subtle nervous system, the subtle uh, anatomy, as well as the physiological uh, spinal nervous system. So this is a powerful thing, and this is worship. We are, you know, this is a way of coming into a relationship with higher reality. So, so then he concludes, uh, his, concludes his uh, conversation, his teaching on worship, and begins sections here, final few stanzas of the, of the chapter four, he goes into a conversation about wisdom. So now we move from just worship into this unfolding wisdom that's available to us. And wisdom is defined as experience, knowledge, good judgment, and the capacity to make use of it. The ability to think and to act, wisdom. And the word wisdom comes from the same root as vision, to see. So wisdom is based in being able to see accurately, clearly. So so someone who is wise is someone who can see. So this wisdom comes up, it, it emerges from within us. We have innate within us, we have this knowledge, this awareness, and this innate wisdom, which allows us to make wise choices, allows our discernment and our discrimination from this higher higher level of our uh, field of awareness um, so that we can make wise choices, wise to see. We can make uh, good choices for ourselves and for, you know, our environment and the world around us. So Krishna says, better than any ritual is the worship achieved through wisdom. Wisdom is the final goal of every action, Arjuna. We should learn from everything we do, every thought, every emotion, every action, every feeling, everything that we do should be contributing to our ability to see. So if we're being mindful, if we're being aware and awake, we're not just, you know, phoning it in. We're not just stumbling through life and bouncing off the walls, you know, but instead we are doing what we do and then paying attention to whatever's happening. And if we need to learning from the experience and through observation, because we are the witness, the seer, the observer of all this through this, our wisdom grows. So this is better than the ritual. Wisdom is the final goal of every action. So, so we work from the, we work from the, the, the preliminary practices. We work from our actions to our worship, and we allow this process to unfold within us. We allow this wisdom to come. We, we become more knowledgeable, and with this knowledge, conscious knowledge, then we're also more able to act mindfully, consciously, awarely. Awarely, is that a word? I don't know. And then he goes on and says, find a wise teacher and honor him. Ask him your questions. Serve him. Someone who's seen the truth will guide you on the path to wisdom. And so this is the, this is the, the coaching about finding 
a mentor, finding a guru, finding a teacher, finding someone who can help direct us and can help answer our questions. Because, you know, as long as we're not wise, completely wise yet, as long as we're not fully awake, then sometimes we run into, you know, obstacles and sometimes we have some confusion and sometimes we're, you know, we may be 90% there, but sometimes that little 10% can still, uh, you know, be a problem, be an obstacle. And so it can be useful to find someone who we have respect and regard for um, that can help serve as a mentor and as a coach. And, and Roy says that in order to be deserving of this guru, of this teacher, we should be practicing humility. We should be able to be alertly inquiring, be interested, be curious, that we should have intelligence. So our intellect should be uh, capable of learning and of, of applying what we learn, that we should have emotional maturity. So we're not being pushed around by these feelings, these emotions. You know, we talked about how this, this interoceptive network along with the experiences around us are, we are constantly creating at some level we are creating our own emotions and so we can become conscious and aware noticing how this is working and get on top of it so we don't have to be the victim of our emotions and of course we already know that we don't you know it's always curious to me that uh, someone who really upset or I can remember back in the day when I would uh, occasionally be upset and feeling a little down or you know victimized or disrespected um, and you know so you get in a kind of a funky state and then somebody calls your friend calls on the phone and you don't want to share the funky state with them so you go oh everything's great and you start talking and and you feel good in the conversation everything's fine the emotional state you're you have completely changed like that in the conversation and then at the end of the conversation you're watching you have the choice of going back to where you were before you started or going just letting it go and being okay but we've all noticed this has happened and because we've noticed this has happened we also know that it's possible to change our emotional state by just redirecting our focused attention we take our attention off of whatever we're thinking about and whatever we're feeling about and put it on something else and it changes everything. See? So remember, emotions are, are constructed, created. If we start to pay attention to something else, a project, something important, something more useful, or understanding the next chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, whatever it is, this can help change our, our inner experience, refocus our awareness, and change our, our external experience. So, so uh, emotional maturity, selfless action. So humility, alert inquiry, intelligence, emotional maturity, and selfless action. If we're living this way, then this is the best way to attract the guru. This is what Roy says. So, so, and if we are not, you know, if we haven't done this, then we have not yet uh, developed our ability to really appreciate and take advantage of what the guru is teaching you know it's one thing to just show up for uh, the next seminar or the next retreat or the next program 
and acquire some information and have some chance for interaction relation and then go back to our same old life you know so if we're if we're really intent on transformation on waking up on making changes then then we have to bring something to the table you know there's an energy exchange and what we bring is our intention and our discipline and our practice and our willingness to change and with the willingness to change and disciplined action then we become ripe we become ready and elsewhere it says that when the student is ready the teacher will appear so when we find ourselves in that position where we're really open receptive where we're you know ready to listen and ready to make some changes and at that point we find that we are led to the right teacher the right book you know the right uh, youtube video something that begins to put us on the right track begins to inspire and teach us uh so so we find someone who has seen the truth that will guide you on the path to wisdom when you realize it that is wisdom the truth you will never fall back into delusion knowing it you see all beings in yourself and yourself in me you see all beings in yourself and yourself in me no separation no different difference every single individual is a perfect beautiful expression of this one reality it's an expression of god and and so and and we can do this you know and oftentimes i you know once again i my i've been blessed so many times so many ways and one of my blessings is that um i've had a very interesting life and in my very interesting life i have uh not only had the thrill of victory and had some you know amazing adventures but i've also had the agony of defeat and uh lots of challenges and you know whether they're physical mental emotional you know these things have happened and i've kind of been through so many things and so when i talk to people when i'm counseling i think oh yeah i used to be that i used to you know i remember that feeling i remember that experience i remember you know going through this for myself and so this is another way that we see others in ourselves you see we see oh a, a compassion you know we, our heart is open because we remember what it was like to be confused we remember what it was like to be emotionally distraught you know just completely crushed caved in you know being disrespected i was you know they actually they actually unfriended me on facebook how could they do that you know um and so and i've had again the blessing of uh much disrespect in my life and my, many people who didn't get brawn you know didn't understand <laughs> and and it's okay but so so we can see in you know, our compassion shows us in others aspects of ourselves so not only do we see this beautiful perfect expressive um uh expression of you know, of ultimate reality but also we see where you know we may have walked on that path and we see where it's possible to wake up you know here is someone who's still you know not clear about something and we know it's possible so we see this form we hold this in consciousness 
We don't try to change them. We don't move them around, but we just know that, you know, there's hope and that we can, and that there is possibility for change. So we see others in ourselves and then we see ourselves in this higher reality. So we also acknowledge that if we're not completely clear, if we're not completely wise, if we're not completely uh, self-conscious, self-aware at this point, um, we feel, we see that we have made changes or we're moving in that direction, that this awakening is happening. It's not happening because we're making it happen. It's unfolding from within. And so we feel ourselves to be in God and we feel ourselves to be in this awakening process. This is happening. It's unfolding. And all we have to do is be patient and continue to move with it. Even if you're the most evil of evildoers, Arjuna, wisdom is the boat that will carry you across the sea of all sin. So even if we've made some really serious mistakes, if we you know, went down the, the dark path at some point, if we really, uh, you know, were on the opposite side of a dharma, we were very adharmic, um, no matter what we've hacked, what's happened, and no matter what sins we have committed, Wisdom allows us to see through this. Wisdom allows us to move above this. Wisdom allows us to make changes and to let it go. Not only to make the changes in the positive direction, but to let it go. Everything that's happened in the past is now a story. Everything that's happened, ever happened in the past, in the past of the whole world, in the past of your personal life and reality is a story. And so we can just say, okay, well, that happened, and then move on, see? As uh, Emerson reminded us yesterday, Royce, Roy would say, just get over it, you know? <laughs> What's next? You have a life. You have opportunity. You can make a choice. What's next? That's important. That's where we should be keeping our attention focused. And then he says, just, and then Krishna continues, just as firewood is turned to the ashes of flames in a fire, all actions are turned to ashes, ashes in wisdom's refining flames. So, so wisdom helps to neutralize this uh, karma, this cause and effect. So the causation that is creating uh, situations, events, uh, circumstances, and problems sometimes for us, these, ca this, these causations become neutralized as we notice and we go, oh, okay, this is why this is happening, or gosh, here I have this desire, this is, un this is unfolding, and now wisdom says, it's really not useful, we don't need to do that. We can neutralize the causes that are producing effects now or producing effects in the future that are uncooked. We can neutralize these by with wisdom. So this allows us to come above, to, to be the witness, the seer, and no longer be the effect and the victim. Nothing in the world can purify as powerfully as wisdom. Practiced in yoga, you will find this wisdom within yourself. So as we meditate, as we, uh, you know, as we are using our uh, powers of ab our ability to uh, use introspection, we're looking at ourselves, looking at our mind, watching how we think and how we feel, how we act. This is our yoga, and this yoga is uh, is what brings forth and allows wisdom to uh, to come to the surface. And then, of course, in our meditation, as we 
as we meditate and we let go of the sense of separate self, this ego, that is the, the sense of separation, this individualized consciousness, as we let go of that and we rest in awareness of being, then this sort of disconnects and it disempowers to some degree the sense of separation. And as we disempower and turn the, turn the energy down on the sense of separation, innate wisdom tends to bubble up and come to the surface. So we always know, this is always available within us, but sometimes this knowing is covered up, you know, the obstacles, it's overridden by conditionings and desires and attachments and aversions. As we let go of these things, even temporarily, this wisdom dawns and we know within ourselves, this is what I should be doing. This is how to proceed. This is what I am. This is what's happening. This wisdom this, this, uh, comes uh, automatically comes from within us, not from outside, but from within us. So our teachings and our practices all point us in this direction, but the wisdom is innate and it comes and blossoms up from within. So resolute, Restraining the senses, the man of faith becomes wise. Once he attains true wisdom, he soon attains perfect peace. Resolute, restraining his senses, the man of faith becomes wise. And faith, this is another uh, you know, interesting word, another interesting concept that, uh, that can be worth contemplating, thinking about a little bit, because... Uh, faith, on one hand, says um, that we just have to trust. We just have to believe. And if we don't already trust, if we don't, if we don't, don't already have confidence in whatever we're talking about, then how do we accumulate? How do we acquire faith in order to be able to trust? You see, it's sort of paradoxical. It seems like well, we have to already believe in what we're talking about in order to have faith. But if we already really believe in what we're talking about, we don't need faith because we're already there, you know? So, so, uh, so developing faith comes as also as a result of wisdom of looking around and seeing what's really happening and understanding, seeing that even though we don't know how the universe is, is nurturing and supportive that even though we don't know how it works necessarily, we look back and we see that all the things and all the obstacles and all the conditions that have ever been in our past uh, always have been resolved. There's always been something that's helped assisted us in taking care of the situation. We've always come through whatever it has been. And we know that because we're here, you know. So, So intellectually, we can understand that the universe is supporting and nurturing. And so this is where our faith begins. I remember in the, in the New Thought world, um, the statement is, faith is evidence of things unseen. Is learning to trust that there is a, a power, an energy, a supportive, nurturing aspect to the universe that is always available. And, and to begin to learn to trust that. And of course, the way we learn to trust it is by trusting it. We have to take a chance. We have to step out on faith and go, okay, um, you know, I believe that it's possible 
I accept that it's a, you know, that the, that the universe works this way probably, and I'm just going to trust. I'm going to have faith and see what happens. And little by little, our faith gets reinforced as we see that this action is always happening. That we're always taken care of. We're always nurtured, always supported. And then he goes on and says, ignorant men without faith are easily mired in doubt. They can never be truly happy in this world or in the world beyond. So without faith, faith is an important thing. Without faith, then we wander in doubt. So then, we, then we're confused and we, we never have anything to anchor. So we have faith in ourself. We have faith in our guru and our teacher and our teaching. We have faith in God. That is this ultimate reality. We develop this by intentionally practicing it. See? A man is not bound by action who renounces action through yoga. Not bound by action who renounces action through yoga. And this is through our discipline, our meditation. One who concentrates on the self and whose doubt is cut off by wisdom. Concentrates on the self, the soul nature, and doubt is eliminated by wisdom, by observation, by seeing. Wisdom is to see, to know, to experience. Therefore, with the sword of wisdom, cut off this doubt that's in your heart and follow the path of selfless action. Stand up, Arjuna. Remember, at the beginning, Arjuna is, is still not uh, on board for doing what he's supposed to be doing, which is leading this battle, and is asking these questions. And now Krishna is saying, use your wisdom, use your insight, use your knowledge. Stop doubting uh, what's happening here. See what's happening here, and stand up and do your duty. Get involved. Be active. So this is the end of chapter four. The yoga of the wisdom of renunciation, and uh, see. And Walter says, "I missed this point. Is wisdom experienced truth?" Well, yes. I mean, when we when we are wise, we see what is happening. We are experienced. We are knowledgeable about what's happening and um, realizing the effects and the circumstances and what's going on. So, so the wisdom is to see, is to see, is to know. So I guess you could say that it's experienced truth. So uh, let's see. There was one more thing I wanted to... Uh, Want to remind us once again that our our spiritual practice, our sadhana, our uh, worship, our devotion uh, is extremely important that we do this, and and it's extremely important that we do it in a way that we can be consistent and stable. And so, once again, it's recommended that whatever we choose to do, we do on a regular basis. And if we can only do a little bit but do it regularly every single day, this is the best. If we can do more, that's even better. But to become regular in our practice, regular in our meditation, regular in our connection with higher reality, connection with God, uh, with our 
with our true self, uh, whatever we can do to help establish that relationship and keep it alive, this is the best. And Lahiri Mahashaya would say, you know, striving, 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 one day attained. Little by little by little, we just keep making progress. And over time, we see the benefits of this. And in this context, we need to be gentle with ourselves. That is, um, it becomes so easy not only to be critical of what's going on around us and of the people around us, but also especially to be critical of ourselves. And so it's very, very, very important to stop being so critical of ourselves, to be gentle, to say, okay, this is where I am. I acknowledge this is where I am. I can imagine and aspire to be fully awake and to be a nicer person, to be kinder, not to be so angry and anxious, not to be wallowing in fear, not to be, you know, suffering with all these, uh, all these emotions and all these constraints. I can aspire to that, but where I am right now is where I am right now, and I'm doing the best I can. Everyone is always doing the best they can, even though it may be, you know, not very good, and it may be uh, even tilted to the dark side of the force. Um, from what they know, from their background, from their conditioning, from all these sources that come into play that impel us to move in a certain direction, everyone's always doing the best they can. You know? So even if the best they can is to take advantage of other people, that's all they know. That's all they know. So we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt and go, okay, I'm doing the best I can, that's okay. I continue to aspire to be better, I continue to aspire to be wiser, to have more faith, to be kinder, to be more compassionate, more loving, more joyful. I aspire to these things, but I'm doing the best I can and I continue to move in that direction, see? And not to continue to be uh, self-judging because this, this is, it's so common and it's such a, a easy trap to fall into and I know so many people over the years who um, who beat themselves up because they're not positive enough and who, uh, who feel like, well, if I was doing things right, if I had the right prayer and was lighting the right flavor of incense and going to the right seminar, or if I was doing something, then God would be paying attention to me. But he's not. You know, I have this terrible karma and it's because I'm doing something wrong. I'm thinking wrong. I'm, I've created this, this uh, physical situation. You know, I have this uh, physical problem in my body. And if I could just get my head right, if I could think my way through it, then it would all fix itself. And it hasn't fixed itself, so it's my fault. You see? Remember from being an altar boy, there was one of the chants was, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Through my fault, through my fault, <laughs> through my most grievous fault. You know, this is, the, this is the mantra in the Catholic tradition. So we have to let go of that stuff. Let go, give ourselves a break. Be nurturing and supportive. And give ourselves, you know, the same kind of care, self-care that we would to someone else who was suffering. So be gentle, be intentional, be regular, and you'll find that this will be a very uh, positive unfolding experience and we can do that 
Uh, Will says, we hope you continue with our study of the Gita in the next retreat. It's very helpful. Thank you. Thank you. And, I, and that's my plan. My intention is to continue. Uh, we'll continue with the Gita. We did the Yoga Sutras for the first few months. So, so we'll continue with the Gita for um, August and September. So we'll do that for the next two retreats for this year and, and possibly be able to get up to the to the middle where we have this experience where Krishna reveals himself to Arjuna and it's amazing. So we'll see if we can make it that far, but uh, we're on the journey. Um, so it's really good for me and hopefully it's good for the others along the way. And so we continue to, to show up and, and continue to carry the, carry the, the, the torch or the little lighter or whatever we have these days to, to keep the, the light on, you know. Let me ask a question. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, you talked about wisdom, but what are the means to acquire wisdom? Because I, I think I, I probably missed it, but there must be some ways to acquire wisdom. Yes, the wisdom, again, if we, if we kind of remember the, uh, our philosophical approach, and that is that we have all wisdom within us already that there is this innate wisdom that is the, the, that is the wisdom of God that is expressing as and through us. And so what we're doing is removing the obstacles, removing the things that stand in the way of allowing this wisdom to express. And the way we do that is through our practice. So we become disciplined. We observe and notice what we're doing. And as we notice what we're doing, wisdom starts to dawn we start to see oh this is not useful this is useful wisdom starts to dawn we start to feel aspects of our experience of our being experiences of ourself that are not related to this uh, ego to the sense of independent existence wisdom unfolds from within and it unfolds from within as a result of our actions our worship our practice you see, and so this is a this is an ongoing natural process. We set our intention to be fully awake, to be in relationship with this higher reality, and then we go through whatever actions, whatever worship, whatever practice we can, and along the way we notice that wisdom becomes more and more prevalent, that we become more become wiser, we're able to see more clearly. So we don't we can't make that happen. This happens as a result of removing the obstacles. Does that make sense? Okay. Good. Well, thank you all for your consciousness and your attention and participation. And uh, and I also was reminded this morning. Um, normally, on at our retreats at CSA, uh, we had a donation basket up in the front, and everybody would know that they just offered a donation when the, on Thursday mornings when we had our Kriya service. Um, but we don't have that anymore. And so, uh, so I just want to remind everyone that, that the Center for Spiritual Awareness uh, continues to do everything that it has done in the past, even when we, I mean, when we had uh, uh, retreats and people visiting the property, uh, the property still has to be maintained, the offices still have to be taken care of, the power bill still has to be paid. And we're still publishing uh, all the magazines. And so there's still a need for 
donations to support the ministry and wonderful to see how this automatically happens. Mr. Davis always worked in consciousness. Um, he'd make available whatever was possible. So everything that we do is done on a donation basis. We offer our services uh, without a price. We don't have prices for retreats or programs or anything. Uh, we just allow that to happen because it's a ministry, it's a service. But also it can be useful from time to time to remember that uh, it's the generous do donations of all the CSA members that allow this to continue. So I'm just uh, making a little plug. And if you, uh, if you are not making a donation, that's okay. Um, but if you feel led to make a donation, you can just go to the CSA website and there's a button there to make a donation. And, and that can be, be an easy way to support the process. Haven't been to the CSA website for some time. Uh, take a look because we're always uh, updating news. And we have this new calendar that Pascal has been um, a wonderful assistant in, in putting everything, keeping it posted and keeping it current. And so on our CSA calendar, we have online events that are happening all over the world. Um, so, so this is an international calendar. And as we go forward, we'll have more and more events like this available. And so you can just check in. So I'm, it's, it's wonderful to see these things kind of unfolding and to see more choices and more involvement. So, so take a look at that if you haven't for a while. And uh, for those that are saying thank you, Thank you to you for participating and lending your consciousness and we'll go forth and be joyful and take good care of yourself. Be nice to each other. Namaste. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, everyone. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good month, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you, Ron. Take care. Thank you, Ron. Thank, Thank you. you so much.